Hello and welcome back to the TT Podcast. This is part two of Ian Locker's amazing chat. If you're not listening to part one, make sure you go back and do so. Um, we got to the end of, well, we only just kind of started with your TT debut, but I want to fast forward because I hate doing this because the, the, between this and your first win, I, I dare say there are so many stories that we need to to hear about, but I do want to get onto your, your first TT win. Tell us about it. When was it? Two nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Sorry, I was going to say yeah. two thousand. Yeah, sorry, not 1990. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Production two fifty. Long time ago. <clears throat> um, oh, the first TT win um, was the yeah the junior race. Yeah. Which was the basically the racing two uh, fifties of the time. You know, mm-hmm. So RS two fifties and TZ two fifties. So I was riding for Ray Cowles on his TZ two fifty, um, and it's yeah it was it was just a fantastic race. It was. It, it's a bit of a fairy, sto- uh, fairy tale for me, to be honest, because I couldn't believe it. But the, the story starts, really. People go, oh, that bike was this, that bike was that. But it wasn't really. It was just the way when you're riding, when you're riding at that level. And I was doing European championships and British championships. Mm-hmm. And I was a better rider on roads than I am on the short circuits. But I can sort of do it now and again on on the um, short circuits, if you like. But Steve Islop could do it everywhere. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, we were doing European Championships, and I remember being in Califat beginning of the year, and uh, European Championship, and and he says uh, he was on pole position, like in front of Biagi and all these people, you know. His he was like, yeah, and I was thirty second, and I'm thinking, God, you know, like it just, and he comes around the van, and we were we were friends because the first Max first Max Grand Prix we did, uh, um, Ray Cowles, who we mentioned before, uh, he sponsored Gary Hislop. Which was Steve's brother, mm-hmm. so we were already friendly from then. And we remained friends, you know, the rest of his life. And uh, anyway, we're in Califat, and um, uh, so he comes around the van. He said, uh, and he was all, you know, you remember Rissy? He was all like, oh yeah, you know, we get the TT, and uh, be, uh, the lap record there was 114, and and there's Eddie Leacock's uh, lap record, which is a very good lap record. And he was talking about 116, Steve was, and I was like. Oh, I was so demoralised. I remember sitting there going, and the fastest I'd been then was 110 on yep. a 350. So. You need to find six miles an hour. I need to find six miles an hour from somewhere. <laughs> and you know. And do you all... think he was saying this to kind of burst when, your bubble? No, or No, I don't. I really don't. Just, it's just, just Steve. His, his enthusiasm. Yeah, his enthusiasm. Exactly you know what he was like? Yeah. He was you know, one knee with his fingers, his hands. So, so animated and, yeah. Yeah, and descriptive. Yeah. Unbelievable. He was great. He was yeah. infectious, wasn't he? And um, anyway, so I was like, all right, yeah, okay. We detuned me and anyway, we went back and then uh, I went to Hockenheim, I think, on the 125 and I finished about 10th and uh, and it sort of got me going again. The 250, again, it was rubbish. So I went 125 somewhere else and I was 10th, I think it was Aston or somewhere. And then we went to the Northwest and we, it just brings you on so much. You ride that out of your skin everywhere, every corner. Uh, and then British Championship, and then back to the European. And, we, and then we went to the Northwest, and there was a massive... Eddie Lecoq won both races, two 250 races. And there was a gang of about 15 people going for second. Mm-hmm. And I ended up with a second and a third, and the lap record. So I came out of the Northwest, and I thought, yeah, I can do this. There were places where other people who I thought were absolutely gods were in my way in the corners. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking... Yeah, the penny sort of was starting to drop, you know. And we got the problem was, we got the TT, and at the northwest, the the bike was starting to jump out of gear. 
and it was getting a bit naughty, like going from sixth to fourth and things like that. Oh, and it was like, whoa. whoa, you know, I said, we've got to get this thing sorted. Otherwise, so I tried it in practice and was doing it and it wasn't nice. Uh, and then by the, got the Thursday practice and we got it sorted. We, there was something in the, in the engine, in the gearbox that wasn't quite 90 degrees and it was missing. Anyway, uh, so we got it sorted and I went out and I said, right, I'm going to go out and if it's sorted, I'll do a flying lap. But if it's not, then I'm going to park the bike. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So when I and, um, did the first lap, I thought, right, sorted. So I went for a flyer and I broke the lap record by 18 seconds. So it was 115.8. <clears throat> and like, I remember Fred Clark was there in, in the pit lane and he was... Commentating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, no, he's actually in the pit lane oh, doing right. a bit of commentating, that, Sorry, yeah, yeah. you know, um, in practice. And um, and he was, oh, wow, you know. I remember George Fogarty coming up and bringing Carl with him, you know, saying, oh, look, shake his hand, shake his hand. He's going, and you know what, Carl's like, hmm. <laughs> 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 and uh, shut me out. Anyway, he jumps on the 250 to go and try and better it, obviously. And he's at about 112. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, so uh, then... Um, did you know, sorry, did you know it was that fast when you were out there doing it or not? No, no, because you're, you're in that zone of yeah. every corner, every yeah. lap perfect you know like you're on a short circuit mm-hmm. like you're up you know you're like you're trying to beat steve islop at, at califat yeah. or somewhere you know and uh yeah it was just riding at that level against people who were wow you know and it just you just do every corner you didn't you don't sort of get yourself into it slowly you're like right this is it you know and uh yeah i went into the race then and didn't feel any sort of pressure really because I, I i thought oh, wow what have we done there, you know, broke lap record and practice means nothing when it comes to the race. Yeah. And then we ended up taking another 20 seconds above that. So it was 38 seconds. Me and Steve, yeah. Faster than the existing. Faster than the existing record. So it's a second a mile, (laughs) which is bonkers, isn't it? You know, even now I think, how did I do that, you know? But, you know, he's struggling to lose speeds now on Mm -hmm. on the circuits much faster. Yeah. but it was it was a fantastic race, and Steve and I were only I think the maximum was three, three and a half to four seconds. In one point, he gained on me, um, but then I'd make it back a bit, and then he'd, you know, and and yeah, th- this bike was a privateer, the Yamaha. You know, there was nothing special about it other than Raymond had done a bit of tuning tuning on it. Uh, it was on Avgas. You were allowed to run blue gas, they called it at the time, which was a uh, very high octane stuff, mm-hmm. which Steve was using because you could afford to run it. He was yeah. riding for Honda, Honda, Honda Britain, they were called then. Yeah. Um, and you're allowed to use it, no problem, but we couldn't afford it, but we didn't think it needed really yeah. with what we had. And um, yeah, uh, but the bike was competitive, it was good and that was it. And uh, yeah, so uh, we ended up, uh, they made a bit of a thing that Steve's mechanic dropped the uh, cap into the fairing, but he lost probably two seconds because it dropped down mm-hmm. and he had to pick it up again. But my brother, um, he re- was putting the cap back on, but he cross-threaded it. Oh, nice. So he had because there weren't any flip caps then. Mm-hmm. So he had to undo it again and do it back up. So it was probably about the same, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and anyway, we I ended up winning it by 1.8 seconds Oof. and uh, 117.8. So it was almost under an 18. And the lap record, the outright lap record then, uh, held by Steve Cull, I think. I think it would have been Steve Cull. Hmm. Uh, 119, 120. Yeah, yeah. 
That yeah, was the no, Al- no, that's that right. Was Steve Al- had done 120 the year before. That's yeah. right on the RC30. Yeah. So it wasn't far away from the old lap record on, on the, a 250 bikes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 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 It's amazing, really. You can obviously the way you're talking, mm. part one and and now, your love for the two strokes. Mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, you've been around a lot of years, and like I said in part one, obviously racing the British Championship and so on. Mm. What about an Ian, what about the Ian Locker collection back home? What have you got? <laughs> um, there's a lot of unpolished trophies. I know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ah, <not> <laughs> a lot thing. of silver ladies not looking very silver at the minute. But, <laughs> uh, but no, you you've won them, so it's nice, isn't it? You know, um, yeah, I've got various things. I've got various two fifties, and you know, um, all two strokes. Yeah, I've got I've got like a I've got a Z nine hundred um, road bike, which is basically harps back to when I was 12 on the back of my brother. <laughs> same same bike. Um, not the same bike, but same model yeah. bike. So things like that. Um, little VFR 400, which I bought recently and things. But um, but yeah, mainly two-stroke. I'm a two-stroke person. The race, what I like about it is the, the fact they're not road bikes converted. You know, they actually, you buy them as a race bike. Yeah. You know, that is it. You get them from Japan and that's it. It comes in white and then you paint it, whatever, and you get a spares kit with it and... Yeah, yeah. There's something about a two-stroke, and and the fact that yet yeah, it's not simply just getting on it and riding it like we spoke about in part one. Jetting, mm. fueling, getting everything oh, right. It's a the smell and the setup as well. Sound, yeah. yeah, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, you started all those years ago. We're here recording this podcast at, mm. uh, at the Manx Grand Prix, mm. and you're still riding and still riding two strokes. Yeah, yeah. Why? I'm riding. Why? Why? <laughs> I can't say no. I, think. Uh, I don't know. I just. I'm too stupid to do anything else. I <laughs> but obviously, um, the passion's still there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I question myself a lot. You know, I think I'm 59 now. I'm thinking, bloody hell, I still. Do but you still this. enjoy it though. Yeah, yeah, I still enjoy when it. When I yeah. started racing, you were one of the old stalwarts. Mm. Very, very fast, even you know British Championship as well as the roads. Mm. And you were one of the kind of, in my mind, the older generation, really. Mm. And you're still flipping hard at it. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, yeah, I remember 1998. I almost uh, won the Winter Ride British Championship. There was two points, lost it by two points. Who won? And uh, Chris Palmer. Oh. And we were described at the time as the over 30s championship or something because it was uh, Robin Appleyard. Yeah, Steve Patrickson, myself, Palmer. Huge, huge depth of talent. There was oh, there yeah, was probably ten huge. people who could win the race at that point. You know, it was it was good. It was a good, it was a good championship. But as I said at the time, um, Leon Haslam was in the championship that year, and we had a couple of ding dongs. You know, mm-hmm. he beat me once or twice. And I beat him a couple of times. And but you learn from the older people. You know, mm-hmm. you don't massively. You know, I, I'm I'm not a fan of this um, putting you to in old people's home when you're over the top and getting rid of the, you know, the older guys who, who, were, who were in the championship. Like going back in the day, Jorge Martinez, who Aspar, yeah, one yeah. of the best riders on small bikes. He never moved up to 250s or got pushed up, should we say. With these days now you get to 26, is it? In, yeah, you're right. 26 in, and you're move out. to three and you have to move up. You know, I don't think you should have to. You yeah. know, if you're a small guy, you should be allowed to stay. Why? You know, and, and the younger guys coming through can learn a lot of, Racecraft from the old people, you know, because yeah. that's what you learn, you know. Whereas now you've got a championship of fourteen to fifteen to twenty-five, yeah. Years, and yeah. they, you know, but the, these people should be learning off the older guys, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Tell don't us know. my own opinion. You know, we spoke uh, just before part one, actually, uh, off air, 
Um, obviously, you had quite a bit of time with Joey Dunlop, you know, uh, and some some great memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were a fan as well. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your time with him. Yeah, yeah, Joey. Yeah, he was. Yeah, just a very shy, quiet, nice person. Um, I remember going. Yeah, we we spent a bit of time together in on the roads in in Northern Ireland and and down the south as well in Southern Ireland and Southern Hundred. Um, and then we went to there was a trip went to New Zealand. So in 1994, so we got to know him a lot more over there. Um, 27 of us on a uh, a trip that lasted seven weeks and um, 27 sp- motorcyclists. Yeah, well, mechanics. some of the mechanics. Yeah. There was but about in the, twelve yeah. riders, I think, and the rest were there for seven weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was sponsored by Guinness, so um, <laughs> you can imagine what happened. So it was, it was just, oh, it was a great trip. At the time, it was tiring, of course, you know, because we were on a, a bus a lot of the time, and you know, drinking and in between going to places, and then we get there, think, oh, all right, a night off now tonight. And then they'd say, oh, no, come on, we'll go off down the club. <laughs> oh, oh no, not again. <laughs> but uh, no, it's all, um, we got to, I got to know Joey quite a bit over there. And then we went to Macau. I think it was my second time at Macau. It was 97. And um, uh, he had his brother Jim with him. And Jim and I got on really well. And Joey was so quiet, you know, even though you, you, he knew you and he wouldn't sort of stop and you walked in the garage. He wouldn't sort of go, oh, you, he'd sort of... Yeah, you think, yeah. oh, he doesn't want to talk to me. He's not bothered about me. Or, you know, that's just how Joey mm-hmm. was. So then I'd start talking to Jim and they'd say, and then, you know, we ended up just going for lunch somewhere or something, you know, and and he just liked being with normal people. He, he didn't like a lot of flash. Yeah. I remember coming when we came back and having something to eat and uh, he said, oh, I've got to go to this thing tonight, Joey. This, you know, this um, thing down at um, presentation or something. Oh, I'm going there. I said, no, you've got it. <laughs> that means, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not bothered about going there. <laughs> That's it. And uh, he says, um, I said, no, I've got to go. And I, you know, we, we told him we're going. Oh, all right, all right. So we go back to the hotel and say, right, you have to wear some trousers and a shirt. I mean, you know, nothing too posh. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he, he goes back to his room and Jim changes. They, they were sharing a the room. They come back down. Joey's got exactly the same things on his shorts and his trainers <laughs> and his t-shirt. He's ah, I can't be bothered to change. <laughs> he's just he was just funny, you know. It, just, it, it wasn't that he was against the like. No, he wasn't trying to stand out. Yeah, definitely not. He literally he was just, just wanting like, to blend into the background. Just, you know? Yeah, almost yeah, disappeared. We on a road for Honda, late nineties, and uh, my teammate was Wolsey Coulter. Yeah, and uh, it was a fantastic rider. Oh, mm. incredible, mm. incredibly fast. Mm. Um, and was at Alexandra Palace bike show. There was two bike shows in those days, the NEC and Alexandra Palace. And um, Joey was supposed to be there with Honda, you know, and I raced against Joey on six on the, on the roads, Northwest and bits and bobs. And I yeah. uh, didn't know him particularly well, but because you couldn't get close to him anyway. You couldn't get cl- really close and, um, to Joey, no. Anyway, but we got on, but it wasn't close. But um, Joey was supposed to turn up at Ali, Ali Pali show. Nobody had seen hiding the hair of him. Bob McMillan was there, Dave Ancolt, who, who were the bosses at Honda. And Woolsey and I were walking back up to up to town to the hotel where everybody stayed from Honda at the time, and we bumped into Joey on the street, half cut. He'd been there all day and just been doing a pub crawl on his own. <laughs> met up with loads of people, met up with loads of buddies, in a happy place, yeah. and then uh, and then come back to the show later on and just paid to get in. You're kidding? That's, but that was Joey. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. He was the most down to earth person. Yeah. Just wanted to just race and you know what do a character. The, the minimum to what was you know yeah the character with it. It was genuine, not mm. not trying to be different. You know, so I liked about him. He was he definitely grew up in the right era for that. Then yeah, oh, if yeah. he was here nowadays, it'd be oh he'd struggle now. Yeah, struggle now like towards the the last couple of years, they he'd smite himself up a bit and, he, and, yes. and whatever yeah. and and um, because he was sort of pushed into it and did it and yeah. Um, and what about Robert? You raced a lot against Robert as well. Yeah, you spent a lot of time with Robert as well, and and especially at the Southern Hundred and Robert Dunlop, those sorry. Like, yeah, 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 um, yeah, um, yeah. Robert, Robert was was good, but Robert understood the the um, uh, the trade, the mechanic, the way, yeah, the way and and the, the circus, yeah, the circus, yeah, yeah, a lot more, yeah, and uh, could really, uh, I think Robert could sort of play to it a bit better you know he's yeah, a good rider yeah good and, and, a, and a good personality as well and yeah, yeah very good but um yeah he was just different to, to joey you know he just had a he had more of a an idea what was you know with the um you know the sort of corporate side to mm. it and you know he understood that more than joey but and, and a lot younger as well so we would understand it better yeah, yeah. you know because joey was already in his in his mindset of what he what he wanted to do and robert could see different side to it you know yeah. so things were changing so what do you think about the, the riders of, of this generation then? Um, Are they all a bit, shall we say, a bit soft compared <laughs> to those back in the day? Uh, I think they wear a lot of sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> yep. A lot of them. But, um, and hair gel. I'm just jealous. Don't mention Steve. No, it's, it's just a different generation. Yeah. You know, what can you say? You've got to go with what's there, you know, and you have to make... These days, it's all revolved around um, sponsorship, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm not saying saying the right thing, but you have to be a bit more diplomatic. Um, but it is difficult for for them to be their own self. I think as yeah, well, you know, it almost takes With, the edge off it. You, yeah, yeah, I think it's I'm, like a diluted version of of yeah, people you have to nowadays. Be a bit smarter, yeah, in your reactions as well, especially when things are down. Yeah, things are negative mm. to to keep yourself kind of presentable and yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember riding, riding the Kawasaki in 90, this is going back to 91, I thought, oh, I won the TT in 1990, that first TT. And then 91, I got offer from, well, it was actually through John Whedon, actually. He was helping me and sponsored me as well. And he went to see, tried to get something off Yamaha. The Yamaha, oh, no, well, our spaces were full. Honda had about four or five riders at the time. I went to move up to an RC30 or something, see? Because I, I thought, well, that's where the money is. That's where the um, prestige is and all that. It always is, isn't it? So um, anyway, John went to see Kawasaki. So we saw, uh, we went down to Bone End yeah. uh, to Coffee, go and see Kawasaki yeah. and uh, <clears throat> go and see Colin Wright, yep. who was running it then. Just starting to take over from his father at that time. Yeah. Uh, so we ended up uh, getting a deal to ride John Reynolds' ZXR 750, which would have been a suit bike, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, came across, big tr well, not big truck, but truck, four mechanics, two bikes. I thought, oh, this is it, we hit the jackpot. And the thing just wouldn't handle. It was terrible. Just in those days, you know, and it turned out that we heard a year later that the rear link on the chassis was on the swing arm was no good and it wouldn't handle over the bumps and it was awful. So they pulled the plug on it on, on the Thursday or Friday of practice week. Um, Kawasaki did themselves. They said they didn't want anybody getting hurt, you know. Wow. And people would ask you, you know, how was it going? And and I remember sitting there thinking, and I could say just what I wanted to, just like a lot of people would say, 
I said, no, no, we've just got some technical issues, you know. But it's so easy to just come out and yeah. say exactly what you want, you know, but you have to, you have to think, think of Kawasaki, you have to think Yeah, of, think of the brand. Yeah, think of the yeah. brand, you know. And so, but yeah, a year later they got it sorted, but I didn't have a deal with them then, so. <laughs> um, I want to, I could sit here and talk about old names all day long because mm. you've raced with them, beaten them, and, you know, some of, some of some spectacular people, really. But, um, you know, we mentioned Joey Robert, there's some, obviously a lot of nice Steve Hislop, and, but one person I want to get your opinion because obviously he was very different to those guys in his riding and his personality. But how were you with him and especially around him on the TT course, Philip McCallum? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I hope you weren't going to ask me this. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave that um, have you got the bleeper? <laughs> you say, you say, and do what say you feel. Uh, Philip was just—I've never ridden against anybody who would just ride completely through you and over the top of you for twenty p. <laughs> you know, he was just yeah, and I—I I didn't understand his riding. That's—I've always tried to be a thinking rider. You. Know, yeah, there's a hill coming up, you're slipstreaming someone and say, right, I won't pass him yet, I'll just get him right to the point, right into that next corner, I can pull a little bit and then I can win the race type thing. With Philip just wanting to get in front of you. Yeah. And then you could just pass him easily, you just look at him going past and again, why did you pass me there? You know, he's mm. just, he was just so unthinking, uh, you know, not a thinking rider and that's why I hated about it. You know, the number of people at the Northwest around one time um, came back into the awning thinking, you're looking at the, paint on your on your arm or on the side of the bike his paint you know and you think <laughs> and then somebody else will walk in on it and somebody else walk it you should have seen who just norms knocked me off uh, you know it's just like that it's just yeah i hated riding against him um i hated that thought of why he couldn't think more that's right. what i hated you know um he just couldn't think yeah he just got to the front and he of course he did well and whatever Around the Alamani, he didn't fantastic and whatever, but how he made it, I don't, <laughs> I yeah. really don't know. I really don't know. That's um, amazing because all I ever knew from of Philip was watching watching the racing and to look at him, so unassuming, so quiet. But then I've got to know him a little bit. I've got to know some of the stories, and yeah, he sounds like a like a ruthless. Yeah, yeah, racer. ruthless is, is the word. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem. Mm. I, mean, I raced a lot against him on Supersport and things. Mm. And to be quite honest, I'd never really had any issues. And, you know, yeah. is that because you were so far behind him? Or no, no, <laughs> no. I could beat him in, at, at different places. You know, and mm. when I was coming through at the northwest, he was the target. He was one of them yeah. to beat. You know, I know I, I didn't beat him there. I think, but and he quickly moved on to world championship at the time. But um, but he was slipping good. Obviously, he's fast. Obviously, but um, yeah, it didn't. It's funny. It's different I ways. And yeah, but you're a silky smooth rider as well. Mm. I, I just felt that he was. He probably didn't give you any hassle because he was he was the one who was not quite. He felt I think he I think he felt on the roads that he was the man. Yeah. And he would try and bully you. Yeah. Then people would be scared of him. Yeah, I, get that. Trying, I, I think. Get that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas on the short circuits, he wasn't quite a good a rider. Yeah. And he wasn't like winning every weekend. And then he probably thought, oh, he wasn't. He couldn't bully you because yeah. a short circuit, especially in those days with the super sport and that, you had to get your elbows out, didn't you? You're flipping at yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was real tough. Yeah. And and, and he, he couldn't bully people because people would bully him back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it was on the roads. You can't bully people like that because there's hedges and walls and stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't be so you have to have respect them. for it. And yeah. that's what I didn't yeah. like. He didn't have respect True. for it, you know? So, anyway. I, again, like Steve said, we could we could sit here and talk for hours about 
days gone by. Let's mm. move up to becoming a team manager now, yeah. um, especially TT 2022, because you had Joe Lachlan on the Super Sport and the Twin, yeah. or the Lightweight. Yeah. Uh, one, how does it feel going from being a racer to a team manager? Have you enjoyed that? And then what is it like bringing someone like Joe on? Because I, I saw you quite a few times and obviously he was a newcomer at the TT and he did you know he did really well at the Northwest. He got a podium at the Northwest, I yep. think, yeah. And yeah, then, he won the race, yeah. He won, he won, he won yeah. the race, yeah. Yep. And then he had a phenomenal uh, TT as well. Yeah, he did, yeah. It could have been a bit better, mm -hmm. but unfortunately through weather, um, one or two little mistakes here and there and circumstances with red flags, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, he could have had a lot better, you know, um, TT. Yeah, he, he's a fantastic rider. Very, very wild in his few years ago. And people were saying, oh, he's yeah. too, you're too wild. You won't tame him. So we'll try and put the reins on him and hold him back a bit. And he's matured because he's a bit older and whatever. And, and he's fantastic rider. He's got loads and loads of talent. Um, and really nice to work with him. And that's that's nice. When, But I said, you've got to, for example, I said, you've got to do, go and do some BSBs. Do some BSBs it'll teach you so much. You yeah. can't just ride flat out around the Northwest trying to dive up the inside of people. You can do that for one lap, yeah. not, not six You're laps. You're not gonna get away with it all. So I said, go and do some BSBs, you'll get your ass kicked, basically. Uh, you'll come in sweating like a um, whatever, because it's so hard yeah. and you'll probably end up 25th, 30th. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And we did that and it was the start of COVID. So um, he did one round and then the next, I think he did two rounds and he did two rounds the next. And there was another COVID again. Uh, so no Northwest. And then this year, as I said, do, North, do the Alton Park just before, which he did. And he did well, he did better these times, a little bit better each time. And he got the Northwest. And yeah, I was impressed at the fact that he won the Twins race uh, on, on one of Mark Coverdale's patents, um, which is our main sponsor. And um, but it, I was more impressed with the fact that he finished sixth on the 600 race, dicing and beating people like Jeremy McWilliams, yeah, and other people like that. And, yeah, yeah. and nobody came in and said, Oh, that guy's nuts, you know, he could do it lap after lap. Yeah, and his concentration, um, would you know be a lot better mm -hmm. if you can if you can concentrate in the BSB because there's, there's there are no mugs there, you know, you yeah. can't hide anywhere. <laughs> um, so you have to be pin sharp at every every corner and on the money sort of thing and, and that's what you, you've got to bring to the roads with you yeah. and that's why Hickey and and Dean Harrison and these people you know do the BSB because it's so hard and but when you get to the roads you can feel it easy a bit like I, I spoke about with the 250 um, yeah. with Steve Islop and I were doing European Championships there was only probably two or three of us in that race doing European Championship and that showed yeah we were first and that's second right, yeah, yeah. So you know, and that's why that's why it raises the raises the butt. Um, do you enjoy kind of one being a team manager and then two bringing the, bringing that young strong, giving him all the knowledge that you've learned because yeah, it's I do a wealth of yeah, I do knowledge. yeah, and and especially BSB, you know, you, you make a change to the bike. I, I like setting up the bike and things and think think I'm okay at it, and and uh, they go out and all of a sudden you see them go green, green, or sometimes yeah. purple on the yeah. on the timing um, board. You know, when you're on the TV screen. And that's really satisfying and you think, yes, you got it right yeah. now. <laughs> you know, that's really good, you know, and worked with quite a few riders over the last sort of 10 or so years doing this. Um, started with Ollie Linsdall back in 2008, uh, right up to um, present. So, yeah, no, it's been good. And, yeah, it's nice to work with guys who listen as well and they really take it on board and things. Yeah. But it's difficult because you, you always get some who just know better. 
you know, but that's that's youth, I guess. <laughs> but um, so it's not always easy. It's it's probably 50-50, you know, 50% of the time you're, you're pulling your hair out thinking, why yeah. am I doing this? And 50% of the time then it's really enjoyable because, yeah. you know, there's nothing in between. Either. I guess the youngsters, surely they must know of you. But surely if, if, if there's that much pedigree there, you'd just sit there like a sponge, wouldn't you, and just absorb it all and, and take yeah. it all in? I suppose it depends on, everybody's different, don't they? Everything. Depends on the personality. Your personality yeah, you, yeah, you're right, but... Your personality makes it. If I was going to do the TT and Ian Locker was sat there saying, this is what you need to do, I'd, I'd fucking listen. <laughs> I'd take it all on board. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, before we get into Steve's quick fire questions, what's the future for you? When are you actually going to stop racing? <laughs> or are you going to stop that's racing? A long, that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I actually sort of, Packed in the TT in 2013. I said, that's it. I'm no more than want to do it. Uh, and I said, but I'm going to carry on doing the classic TT. Mm -hmm. So to do that, you've got to have a Monte Course license. Then you have to do six races. So then I thought, oh, I'll do Scarborough and places like this, you know, a couple of enjoyable places so that you can get your signatures and all your races. And, uh, and then in 2016, Suta came back with a 500 and I couldn't say no because it's a two-stroke. And then they did it again in 2018. So, so in between, I've sort of been semi-retired. So I'm looking at it like that. So I haven't got an answer for that one. Really. So, we, so we might see him back on the start line at the TT. Yeah, that's that's no, 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 no more TT. I thought your stats said his last podium was 2019. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just can't help himself. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. Let's go, Steve. Right. Quick fire. I've got two things, actually. First one's quick fire questions. Now, just give me an answer, one or the other, please. I want no descriptions, okay? You answer it for your own reason. Beer or wine? Wine. Joey Dunlop or Steve Hislop? I'm going to get killed here. I'm going to get back to Northern Ireland. Steve Hislop. Pineapple or never pineapple on a pizza? Pineapple. Good lad. Two stroke or four stroke? Two stroke. I knew that. Mass start or time trial? Mass start. Flipping eh? Balaf to Ramsey or Ramsey to the bungalow? Ramsey to the bungalow. Hmm. Philip McCallum <laughs> or Ryan Farquhar? <laughs> well, it's easy. Ryan Farquhar. <laughs> Wales or Northern Ireland? Wales. <laughs> Patriotic. Uh, that's, uh, that's a bad one for me as well. I've lived in Northern Ireland for 21 years and I love it. Oh, but... Not more. <laughs> right, TT 1984 or TT 2022? 1984. Last one at this section. British champion or a TT corner named Lockers for the rest of time? <laughs> Don't be honest. Yeah. Ooh, that surprised me. Right. <laughs> right. And just lastly, Ian Locker, this is your life. 10 TT wins, 29 TT podiums. You've won in five different classes 125, 250, Super Sport 600, production, production 600, and production 750. Former 250, your favourite lap record holder, and you held that for nine years. That's mm. flipping amazing. 35 years, as Chris mentioned, between your first podium and your last one in 2019. Bloody hellfire. Um, you've ridden for all the top teams, winning on two strokes and four strokes. Other achievements, 
Eight wins, 26 podiums, Northwest 100. 18 wins, 44 podiums, the Ulster Grand Prix. 36 international road race wins. That's third place behind Joey Dunlop and the ever-increasing waistband of Philip McCallum. Classic 2T, two wins, four podiums. Five-time Southern 100 champion, which I know you're very proud of. A record number of wins at the Southern 100, 32. Record number of wins at Oliver's Mount Road Races in Scarborough, 139. <laughs> Flipping egg. Former runner-up in the British 125 Championship. Only two points in it, should have won. Mm -hmm. Podium finisher in the 125, 250 and Supersport 400cc at British Championship. Now team manager for more than a decade. And still completing the selected races, obviously like the Manx Grand Prix here on 250s. Ian Locker, you're a racing legend. I'm in awe. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Perfect way much. to end it. Ian, absolute pleasure. Thank you, sir. Okay, no, thank you. Thank you. No, it's been, uh, been good. Thanks, okay, cheers. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Steve, Ian Locker. Again, I keep saying this on uh, at the end of every podcast now, it seems. You could spend hours listening to, to some of the stories and we, like, we didn't scratch the surface between his between his debut and his first win. There must have been some stories in there. Yeah, mate, well, it's, that's great for the listeners because there's so much information and things they never have never really heard of a mm -hmm. lot of the time and uh, there's so much more information to come out of that man. He's been there, done it all on so many different events as well. It's uh, There's uh, so many stories. Here's what I think we should do, get him back on. Just give him a give him a beer or two. Just wind him up and watch him go. Problem is, I'm a one pint wonder. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> it won't cost a great deal on expenses, then, will it? <laughs> This has been the Ian Locker episode of the TT Podcast. We have plenty more star-studded names on the way from the world of the TT. If you've enjoyed this one, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another podcast. And don't forget, you can get all the latest news, views, features and gossip over at the IOMTTRacers.com website. And be sure to check us out on all the usual socials. We are at TT Racers Official. Steve, have you, have you got social media? I've heard of it. <laughs> if you can find Steve on it, go and follow him as well. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Cheers, Steve. Thanks, Chris.